Good morning and welcome to Friday. Hope that you have a wonderful Friday morning and that you have a great weekend and that you've enjoyed this first uh, series that we've looked at in our Ingrid in the Word studies. And the passage that we've looked at is 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 9 through 15. We will read it together again. And then my desire is that we will take uh, a couple of simple and practical things and let this be what we think about as we go into the weekend. So again, 1 Chronicles 29. We'll read verses 9 to 15. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is this people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. And of thine own have we given thee, for we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow. There is none abiding. Now, just to remind you the progression of the week, we looked at um, the history behind what David, uh, why David was giving this address, what they were doing. We looked at the generosity of the people. Then we looked at the foundation that ultimately led the people to have such a generous worship-filled spirit. And that was that they were examining the greatness of God. And David expressed in one of the greatest ways we find in Scripture the greatness of God. He emphasizes that, that there is an incomprehensible aspect to the greatness of God. We can never fully comprehend how great and how majestic and how glorious and how powerful God is. Then in the backdrop of that is David's understanding that he's completely unworthy of how kind God has been to him. And David recounts the story of how he was forbidden to be the one who built the temple, but rather his son was chosen. Yet God blessed David, and David is, is, is just reveling in the grace of God and his kindness. Well, what I'd like us to do here in the last few minutes is I'd like us to ask the question, understanding how gracious and good God is, how should we respond in wisdom to this understanding of his grace? And I'd like to mention three categories of response that we need to consider. The first category is a person who is foolishly living as if they're dependent on no one. They don't need anything. They're self-reliant. Now, as Americans, we believe that independence is a good thing. I mean, we are the people that broke away from the British several generations ago. We're the ones that believe in self-reliance and resilience and strength. And there is a, a virtue in being strong and responsible. But when we talk about being dependent on no one and having an arrogance, that's a problem, especially as it relates to God himself. I'm reminded of Lamentations 3.21, where it says this, I recall this to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
Now, when, when, when this is written, it's written at a time when Jeremiah is lamenting, that's why we call it Lamentations. He's lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem by the, the hand of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And it was at this moment in history where the Jewish nation recognized that we are dependent on God and our very existence and the preservation of that existence is all of the mercies of God. And so what it reminds us is that when we are self-reliant and we act as if we don't need God, that self-reliance is a mirage. There's going to be a day that we come face to face with our own humanity and our weakness and our limitations. There's a reminder that the very breath that we breathe and the food that we eat, it is God's air. It is the strength that God gave us and the laws that he established in this world that allow us to eat that food and be strong and to have a life that is sustained. Those strengths that we enjoy, they're upheld by the mercies of God. And sometimes God has to humble us to show us that in fact, we are dependent on him. We are not self-reliant people who don't need anything. Sometimes we need that reminder because his grace is available, but we don't see it. And so I want to encourage you, if you find yourself inclined towards this, this kind of a category, God's grace is available to you. Christ came to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And through his sacrifice, we can be brought into relationship with the Father through the Son. We can stand in his presence. We can come before his throne and petitioning him for the grace that we need on a day-by-day basis. And so I want to encourage you, if you're living as if there is no God, or maybe you've even rejected him in pride, turn to him. His grace is available. The second category of person that I want to mention is those who unnecessarily fail to see all the greatness of God. Now, this could be a person who is a believer or a person who's an unbeliever. We could fall into this category on either side, but we're not seeing his, his greatness as he actually is. We, we aren't in the word like we should be. We're not looking at the handiwork of his creation and asking questions like, well, where did the order come from? Well, obviously it came from somebody. Somebody designed it. Somebody designed all of these systems that work together so intricately. There, there is no planet in the universe that could sustain human life, save this one right here. And it's because of its size and it's because of its distance from the, the sun. And it's because of the, the makeup of this planet. It's unique. It's clearly designed so that it can have human life on it. And the question is, where did that design come from? Well, it came from God. Where did the beauty come from that we enjoy? Or where did the sense of right and wrong and our obligation to do what is right come from? Well, it's the fact that we're created in the image of God. And there are some people that they study the sciences and they fail to ask the question, why do I presuppose that there is order in the universe? And why do I presuppose that there are natural laws that I can actually observe and I can test and I can hypothesize about and I can use? Why are those things there? Well, it's because someone has ordered the cosmos. And these laws, these natural laws that govern the world, they're established by somebody. <clears throat> and so, If you're a Christian who is failing to see God in his greatness, I want to encourage you, pause and reflect on who he is and what he has made and how he's ordered this world and how he's worked in your life and glory in him. 
And if you're one who does not know him as your savior, again, his grace is available. Christ has died for your sins. He's risen from the dead. He can bring you to the Father. You can know God personally and enjoy him forever because of the redemptive work of Christ. And then the third category I wanna mention, and this is one of encouragement, is that there are some people, <laughs> they are true believers, but they're failing to experience the richness <laughs> of God's grace, not because it's not available, not because God has failed to pour out his grace, it's that they're not experiencing the grace that's available to them because of something in their relationship to that grace. For instance, there are some people who, though the cross has stood to take their sin, they, they, they refuse to face their sin, which keeps them from enjoying the restoration of communion with God that is there. There are some people that have faced sin they understand the promises of God, like in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And they know those verses are there, but they live as if they don't apply to them. They live as if that God hasn't truly established a basis for them to have communion with them. And again, they unnecessarily fail <clears throat> to experience the richness of God's grace. Some people have experienced the grace of God in this particular way, yet they wallow in misery because of what they've lost. Maybe some blessing that they fixated on, and this is the only thing they can do with their life, the only opportunity that they're willing to actually embrace. And, and because of sin or because of folly on their part or because of something, a decision someone else has made, that has been forbidden from them. And they, they are unwilling to let go of that thing and to say, you know what, God, like David, whatever I'm given, I'll take it. I'll delight in it. I'll use it. I'll, I'll embrace the opportunities that are available to them. There are others who presuppose that even though they have sinned and God has forbidden, they can just do what they want. And that presumption is very serious. And there are consequences that will flow naturally from sinful choices. And some people act as if that's not the case. And they fail <coughs> to experience the richness of God's grace. Some people fail <coughs> to experience this grace in its fullness, not because of its lack of availability, but because of their response to it. And so I want to encourage you this morning, don't do that. Let the text speak for itself and then respond properly to what God has done for you and respond properly to who he is. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, a wonderful weekend, and Lord willing, we hope to see many of you on Sunday, obviously weather dependent. Uh, I know that there's the potential for a snowstorm this weekend, so please uh, be looking for emails. Uh, we will uh, let you know if there are any changes to our normal service times. And Lord willing, we'll see many of you on Sunday. Have a blessed day. Bye now.